This podcast is sponsored by Great White Hot Sauce. It's a small batch, handmade hot sauce, made specially for you. So if you like hot sauce, you'll love Great White Hot Sauce. It's the hot sauce that bites back. Find it at www.trygreatwhite.com. the 80s had some really good music and some really bad music and on this episode we're going to focus on the bad the really bad like worst songs of the 80s according to me and Jack and I'm sure our list will be different as I'm sure yours will be too maybe you'll agree maybe you'll disagree Listen in and find out. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. KOFB Studio presents Milk Crates and Turntables, a music discussion podcast hosted by Scott McLean with his co-host, Jack Calabrese. Now, let's talk music. Enjoy the show. Thank you, Amanda, for that wonderful introduction as usual. Welcome to the podcast. You know the name of it, so I'm not going to say it. We're streaming live right now over... YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, maybe the soon-to-be-owned-by-Elon-Musk Twitter. And at this point, I'd I'd introduce what we're talking about, which is worst songs of the 80s, Uh, and then I would have some quip to say. Then I would say, speaking of worst, here's my co-host, Jack Calabrese. What a horrible thing to say. It's a terrible, terrible introduction. But you were already on the screen because we were experiencing technical difficulties for a second. Technical difficulties. That's Technical all right. Technical difficulties. Testicle difficulties. We don't want those. How are you doing, Scott? I'm good, Jack. How are you? I'm doing okay. Although, a lot going on in the Calabrese household. Mrs. C is down with the COVID, and we've been uh, isolating her and kind of doing our own thing and, uh, uh, you know, watching very closely because I am actually traveling tomorrow. No mask required. Yeah, but you know what? I, I got I got to tell you, with uh, you know her being in the state that she's in, I, I haven't decided whether I'm going to wear one or not. I think it might be the right thing to wear one, but I haven't decided. I hate wearing it on the on the plane. Hate it. Hate it, hate it. Hate it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's just oh, not it's not the guy it's that I call, am. Buddy. It's your call, buddy. It's your call. So let me ask you a question before we get into the worst songs of the '80s. Uh let me ask you a question. I always uh, seem to ask you the questions. Um, is Journey, as far as concert-wise, are they like the Hoover Dam? You just got to see them once, and that's it. You don't really have to see them again. Well, let me let me ask you this. Are you saying that because, you know, Journey's not really Journey in it anymore? You know, because- no, no. I saw them with with uh, what's his name Arnold. Uh, Arnold. St- 
Steve Perry back no, in the day? No, the, the Filipino was, guy. Yeah, yeah, Arnett Parnell or whatever Arnett his name Parnell is. Arnett Parnell or something, yeah. yeah. Shields so Arnett Parnell. Like, sounds just like, you know, Steve Perry, so, and he puts on a great show. But as far as the music, like, they're not a a big production band. You're not really seeing anything different if you see them twice. Neil Sean no, walks to the front of the stage every other every other let me see halfway through every song to show that I am the lead guitarist of Journey. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think it goes beyond that. I think he believes that he is Journey. Journey, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and to and to be to be quite honest, he he is Journey. So you have Greg Rowley and um, and and um, what's the guy's name we just said? <laughs> Arnett Parnell. No, no, the guitar player. <laughs> oh, Neil Sean. Yeah, Neil, Neil, Neil Sean. They left Santana to form yeah. Journey. So you know they they were kind of a prog rock light band in in the seventies. You know, with Greg Rowley doing most of the lead vocal uh, heavy lifting, and it wasn't until they brought Steve Perry um, and Jonathan Kane that they took off. They they took off and they you know they made you know it was almost almost in a way almost like um, uh, Fleetwood Mac you know so yeah. Fleetwood Mac was you know blues band struggled for a long time they certainly had a lot of respect from fellow musicians but you know it wasn't until you know they brought in Stevie Nicks you know to you know and Lindsey Buckingham to turn into they turned into a pop band which you know a great pop band you know with some incredible music I know you're not a huge fan. But I think that I think that Journey kind of did. Oh, the, no, the, I'm, the same I'm, a, thing. I'm a fan. I'm a I'm a big fan of Fleetwood Mac. Just nothing before their seminal album, Fleetwood Mac. Seminal <laughs> titled album, Fleetwood Mac. Have you? How can you not ever gone, be? Have you ever gone back and listened to those old albums? As far as rumors and oh, no, 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 that. prior to rumors. So the Peter Green. Oh no no! I, I I have a I have one of their old albums that it's behind the green monster now. <laughs> yeah, but you haven't decided to just get rid of it. Nah, it's hard. It's hard to get rid of. <laughs> <laughs> I just like looking at it, seeing just just saying you're a shitty album. Yeah, shitty, yeah, yeah. I mean, shitty album. Guys like you and I, we you don't we don't get rid of records. You know, even if they're shitty records, you know, I mean, those things that, you know, we grew up and we coveted them and, you know, we held on to them. But, you know, to answer your question, I think I think you bring up a good point is that, you know, once you see Journey once, you've basically seen the show. It's not going to yeah. change dramatically. And that's one of the things that some people absolutely love about Journey. They know exactly what they're going to get. You know, you don't have Journey coming out and saying, hey, we know that you want to hear love and touch and squeezing and open arms and. Um, don't stop believing and whatnot, but we're actually going to play you our new albums from, from start to finish. People would be bullshit because mm. they don't really care. Mm. You know, they, they don't, they don't want to be challenged by, you know, music. They want to reminisce. They want an oldies band. They want, they want nostalgia, right? It's an oldies so, band. Yeah. So any, any, any of those bands, so whether it's, you know, journey or whether it's foreigner or whether it's sticks, yeah. You know, those guys are a shadow of what they once were. There, there aren't really many original band members in there, and they're going out and they're they're earning a living. You know, making people happy, which is not a bad thing, and uh, and playing their hits. And you know, people pay 
whatever it is that they pay. And they walk out of there saying, Hey, you know, I heard all of the stuff that I wanted to hear. And I sang along with every song and that's great. I saw hollow notes a while back at the Seminole hot rock casino and hotel in Hollywood, Florida. And at one point, Daryl Hall says, yeah, we're going to let uh, Mr. Oates play some of his songs. Yeah. Never, never John was Oates. the beer line so long. Never oh. was the beer line so long. Okay. Yeah. It was, thank like, you. It was it's like a sympathy sex. <laughs> it's like sympathy. Just going to give it to you just because. <laughs> I'm going to throw it out there for you. You know, look, look, you and I have had this discussion, uh, uh, you know, a couple of times, you know, especially with what they charge for concert tickets today. Look, I, I've been, you know, a passive Madonna fan for for years. I think she did some brilliant stuff in, uh, in true to our theme tonight. I thought that she's done some shit stuff. The last time I saw her, we paid big money, had great seats and whatnot. She didn't play any of her old stuff. You know, I mean, for me, it's all about balance. But but again, you know, I thought and I think that Madonna, the right thing for her to do is forget about playing the Wang Center and playing all of your new no, no stuff. Most, most people don't give a shit. Play Fenway Park. Play your greatest hits. Make everybody happy. Have your 50 dancers on stage and, and cash your checks. You just mentioned something. So you pay a lot of money for a show. Mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of spoiled now. David Gilmore is playing in Miami and I'm at a point now where I want good seats. I don't want to sit in the fucking balcony anymore. I don't want to sit at the back of the stadium. I won't go to a stadium show. First of all, um, haven't been since the U2, uh, discotheque tour. Um, so I looked at ticket prices like get the fuck out of here! It's it's insane. I'm not paying like okay, it's like a hundred and eighty dollars a ticket, and it, and it's an acoustic set. It's yeah, acoustic, it's, which uh, is nice, which is nice, but ah, uh, I don't think he'll be playing Dogs of War. <laughs> no, like that, you know, but um, but so, you know, you, well, and then I I I saw the the show that. They're not coming to South Florida, but New Order and the Pet Shop Boys. And I don't know what popped up on Ticketmaster. And I saw the fucking ticket prices for like decent to good to really good seats. Fucking pound sand, man. I saw mm-hmm. three, three, three years ago before the pandemic, I saw the Pet Shop Boys at the Jackie Gleason Theater in Miami. You know, uh, Fillmore, it's Fillmore East. It used to be Fillmore East. And it was like, I don't know, $80 a ticket. That's fine. We had first row and like the small balcony, you know, looking right down at everything. Nothing in our way. And that was that was a great show. Seeing shows there, are, it's like going to the Orpheum. Um, it's quaint. It's loud. It's good, good acoustics. There's no freaking way. That I was paying two hundred and eighty dollars a ticket, two hundred dollars a ticket to see New Order in the Pet Shop Boys. Well, it's it's actually get, yeah, it's it's actually getting worse than that, right? So, you know, two hundred and eighty dollars is 
is is not the the ceiling by any means in terms of ticket prices. So one one of the things, and I don't know exactly where it started, but I I know with if you think about Uber, you know the the car service, they introduced the concept of dynamic pricing. So their prices increase based upon demand. So when you're talking about like the high traffic time, so if you think about trying to take an Uber after a baseball game or in or around Fenway, the Uber prices go through the roof. Yeah, I understand. Because they know, right? The next next group, and I don't know that I have this right in terms of the exact order, but the airlines are doing this now. The less ticket, the less seats that are available on the plane, the more expensive they are. It's always been that way. Yeah. And the closer you get, it's more expensive. And and now it's more expensive. And now Ticketmaster has adopted this, this, this thing. Let, Let me tell you something. There's a couple of articles out there. I won't, you know, do them a disservice or an injustice by trying to half-ass quote them. But there are a couple of articles out there that actually talk about this dynamic pricing, especially as it pertains to pre-sales for a particular artist. So you think that, hey, I'm getting in early. I'm a fan. I'm going to get preferred seating. Do you know what's really happening? They're actually trying to gauge the demand, and they're going to set the prices for the tickets based upon that initial demand. Well, so, that's going on with with movies also. They're starting to do. They've been doing that over in Europe. They've never done it in the states, but now that the pandemic is over and people are going back to movie theaters, the Batman showing at the Regal Theater was more than uh, <coughs> Life on the Road, or whatever another movie yeah, was. Yeah, so sure. the more popular the movie, this but they're not saying anything to anybody. They're kind of sneaking this in. Because they know people will get pissed off, but well, well, they, I mean, things things are absolutely get absolutely getting out of hand, and I'll give you an example. And this breaks my heart, by the way. If you go back into the early '90s, there was a band that tried to stand up to Ticketmaster and their unfair ticket Pearl pricing Jam. practices. Pearl Jam, right? Yeah, and they got slaughtered. So, so Pearl Jam <laughs> tried to mount a tour and to bypass Ticketmaster, which means that they had to bypass a lot of the normal venues, and it was a huge, huge huge mistake on their part they lost a ton of money the tour had to be you know uh, scrapped but pearl jam like a lot of other bands right now have now kind of adopted this dynamic ticket pricing so they're not coming anywhere near boston right now they're actually the closest place that they're playing to here is they're playing madison square garden on september 11th i looked on Ticketmaster today and these are not resale seats these are not any type of VIP package, right? The tickets that I saw on Ticketmaster were twenty three hundred dollars a piece. The fuck out of it, yeah. Twenty three hundred dollars a piece. Fuck that. So they suck too now. They're just fucking money grubbers. It's it's Great it's music, just a- but they lost the you know. Remember in the sixties and seventies, like bands like the Rolling Stones and Aerosmith would never sell out to the commercial you know, commercial world and da, 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 da. And next thing you know, they're selling songs to Nike, you know, John Lennon, you know, the the Beatles revolution is playing in a Nike commercial and Pearl Jam, just like all the rest of them. They, they're no different. They're going to get the money. They're going to do the, the, the gouging. It's basically ticket gouging, price gouging. They're they're all the same. So let me give you just one more quick example. And I know you're not a huge fan, but I've always been a big fan of the Dave Matthews band. 
I've been in their fan association for the, what they call the warehouse for 20 years, 20 years this year, <laughs> as a matter of fact, right? So I was out, you know, kind of under the impression as I got close, hey, when you hit 20 years, you know, do you have a seniority aspect to it? Are you going to get something special or wh- whatnot? And they're playing two nights up in Guilford, New Hampshire. So up by Lake Winnipesaukee. Last time they came around, which was last year, I put in for tickets. I was five rows outside of the the pit area. You know, great, great shows. Great, great ticket prices. 20th year being in the Dave Matthews, you know, fan club. Uh, And now that this whole dynamic ticket pricing and the demand has gone up, put in for two nights. I am way, 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 way back to the, to the point that I'm not sure that I would, that I'm even going to go. I mean, like if you, if you imagine the amphitheater, you're right. You have section one, section two, section three, after 20 years of being in their fan association and consistently going to shows and whatnot, my tickets are in section three. Yeah. It's disgraceful. And the reason why I'm in three is because they know they can get a lot more money. The premium tickets. For the premium tickets. No loyalty anymore. No. There's there's um, no loyalty. And, and, you know, people are blaming it on, well, you know, we took a beating during COVID. No, no. You know what I'm saying? I'm 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 sorry, Eddie Vetti, but you're worth $300 million. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. I wonder when when businesses are going to stop blaming not having any, though we can't order the COVID 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 um yeah but you you know whose fault it is scott it's ours there's a, there's an easy fix we all have to find some way of getting together and just not buying the fucking tickets anymore so mark smith commented youtube watcher and f- f- friend of the show for the price of really good concert tickets i invested in a good home theater system a good tv and i just and i just buy concert dvds i can pee when i want and drinks are cheap and you know what you don't even have to buy dvds anymore because they have streaming services there's a few music streaming services that play concerts i i can't remember the name of one of them but it's all concerts um hey you you know what mark i i appreciate that and if that's if that does it for you fantastic yeah i I will tell you I will tell you, for me, I've gone to hundreds and hundreds of concerts. I've always been a big concert goer. And there's still nothing like being in a live setting and having that that energy of the crowd around you. And and you know what? That's me. There are other people that, you know, like my wife will go to a show, but like you, Scott, she has no interest in going to like stadium shows. Sometimes I like the whole production in in the, you know, the just the hugeness of being in a giant stadium. It's a it's a different thing. Last but time I was there, I, it was like I said, U two at Sun Devil Stadium in Arizona for the discotheque, and that was Rage Against Machine backed them up, and that was like a, a, a road trip for a bunch of us that we were stationed together in the Air Force in Albuquerque. But uh, again, it's I'm I'm done with stadium shows. It better be a goddamn like fucking barn burner for me to go see a stadium show now. Yeah, you know? I mean, you know, I guess it depends on on who it is. You That's know? what I mean. It's I mean, got to be somebody that I really want to see. So if 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 Oasis came around and they were playing yes, football games, yeah, yeah, you would, you would, would probably go right because yeah. that might be the only chance you get to see them. Sure. You By the way, that don't, aspect don't, into don't don't forget. Let's let's document this one more time. <laughs> 
When, when Oasis does get back together and they play the Wembley tickets. Stadium, I buy the tickets. You're buying the tickets and Fuck the airfare. No, I didn't say and airfare. airfare. I said and, tickets. And, I said you pay for the airfare. No, no. And you're buying the first round of fish and chips. Yeah. I know you're yeah. not a big drinker, but I want my warm beer paid for hey. by Scott, the king of Facebook, McLean. There you go. Um, <laughs> Perry Dinovich watching on YouTube. Uh, I saw now. I respect the comment. There's a butt at the end, and you'll get a kick of it, kick out of it. I saw shows at Madison Square Garden for twenty five dollars. Let me tell you, we saw shows at the Boston Garden for twelve on the yeah. floor, yeah. like tenth row floor, twelve bucks. <laughs> you, 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 you and I saw Elton John, nineteen eighty two. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it was around around December. Played everything. And we were, you know, tenth row, dead center. Yep. And they were they were fourteen fifty. They Bob were fourteen dollars and fifty cents. Bob Seger, dead center floor. Ted Nugent, dead center floor. And the the list goes on. We always got good tickets. <laughs> we always got yeah, good you, tickets. Yeah, you, you know. Other it, than the it, who, I was in the loge seats for the. No, you know where I was in the loge seats, kind of in the back corner of the garden, and I'm kind of glad I was. Fucking the black and blue tour, Black Sabbath, Blue Easter Cult. Oh my God, what an overrated, overhyped. Ronnie James Dio was fucking horrible with them. I don't oh, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you talking go. about? I was not a big fan. Oh, the guy's Hey, see what, see what you're doing there? Ronnie James Dio, the creator of the devil of, horns. Of the devil horns. <laughs> Somebody Somebody says, hey, I'll give him that. I, I, I don't, I don't hate. I didn't hate Ronnie James Dio. I just wasn't a fan of his music, his act, his look. Nothing appealed to me about Ronnie. Yeah, was, but I give the guy a, credit. He he, he was, was a, a mover and a shaker in that was a, in that realm a, of music. A, yeah, he was a, he was a metal guy, and then, you know, little look, dude a big, created a big persona. Oh my god! Yeah, Ronnie Ronnie Day, James Dio. I. I think he had to have been five one, five two. I, I give him credit, and he's losing his hair and all. But the dude had a big presence. He left his he left his mark. There's no doubt. Yeah. I wasn't a fan, what, but do you know where he started? Uh, Dio started with nah. So he he started with a band called Elf, which I don't think either you nor I, I, I know I, I, know I any of their that, members. Yeah, I heard that band, but we never heard of heard the yeah, band. Yeah, but I but, know but it's do, kind do, of his history. Do, do you think he took offense to the fact yeah. that he was <laughs> an elf? <laughs> he was. Oh, but then, was but he then, a dwarf? I don't know. <laughs> are dwarfs bigger than elves, or elves are bigger than dwarfs? Right? I, I, I yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the technical, you know, aspect of that. But he moved from being an elf, and he when uh, Deep Purple when J- uh, Richie Blackmore left Deep Purple, he formed Rainbow. Rainbow. And yeah. Ronnie, J- Ronnie James Dio, I believe, was the first lead singer of Rainbow. Yes, he was. And then, and then when that when that band you know dissolved, he ended up joining Black Sabbath uh, for two albums. They did mm-hmm. Heaven and Hell and The Mob Rules. And, and you know, look, there was a period of time. Where for whatever reason Boston got screwed. If you think about, for there were a couple of years at the Garden where the concerts that they had there were fucking shit. Yeah. It was it was black and blue. Oh. It was the the Outlaws and Foghat. <sighs> you know it was you know it was Jethro Tull. It was Santana. Uh, you know. Uh, yeah. No. Hey, Louis Louis Colicio watching on YouTube says <laughs> he says. 
The last stadium show I went to was Springsteen at Giant Stadium in 02. Spent the show being doused by beer with drunk frat boys. Never again. All right. <laughs> Louie, Louie, can I, can I call you Louie? You can call I, him. I've, I've got a tip for you. If you ever actually go to another stadium show and you have rowdy people around you, you march your ass right down to guest services and you tell them what's <laughs> happening. You tell them what's happening and they will move you into about the 10th row. <laughs> take, take it from me. Take it from me. I've done it two dozen times. The Rolling Stones, my wife and I were in the last row of the balcony at the Boston Gardens. And I walked down there to guest services and said, hey, there are a bunch of people around us smoking pot. My wife has asthma. You know, it's it's just a nightmare. They were like, you know what? Oh, you should have come down early. They marched she and I down to the 13th row. Here's the thing. There were no guys. There was no pot. There wasn't any yeah, yeah. asthma. Of course not. Yeah, yeah, of course not. Of course. Uh, Mark Smith, good, good, good info right here. Uh, watching on YouTube, he says, Elf backed up Richie and Dio on the first Rainbow Tour album. There you yeah. go. There you go. Good one. Good pluck, man. Good. So, so uh, Mark, Mark, Mark Smith, good information. Here's something that you may actually want to consider. Where's Mark from, Scott? I, I don't know. He's he's watching oh. on YouTube. So, no. Mark, Ronnie James Dio. So I'm I'm broadcasting along with Scott. Scott's down in Florida. I'm in Dover, New Hampshire, just north of Portsmouth, New Hampshire, birthplace of Ronnie James Dio. There you go. There you go. How about that? There you go. Um. All right, let's uh, let's move into tonight's topic. We'll go song for song. I and I, I now it's it's worst the worst songs of the eighties. Okay, um, I have a, a a quick list that my buddy Todd Sockman sent me. He's a he's a big fan of the show. He he actually is a uh, he's somebody I that, that always calls me and gives me critiques. At the uh, after each show, he, he he always seems to like it. He he loves to get on Jack when Jack's not here. <laughs> he always, and he'll always say, "Is Jack really going to be there tonight?" So, but he's a fan of the show. But he said his his little list. He just off the top of his head is, uh, "Wake me up before you go, go wham." And this is this was he what he sent me. That song sucks. <laughs> Comic Chameleon by Culture Club. That song really sucks. My Prerogative by Bobby Brown. Now, we were stationed together in the Air Force. for. We went through law enforcement tech school, K-9, <laughs> air base ground defense training. We went to the Philippines together. We were in Sacramento together. So he says, My Prerogative by Bobby Brown. That song really, really sucks. And my roommate in the Philippines would play that stupid song every night before we went to work. It sucks. <laughs> so that's Todd's. That's Todd's little list. Um, I kind of. And then he said anything Millie Vanilli. So those are the real common place songs that well, suck. I, I, I have 80s. to tell you that 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 I kind of you know just to refamiliarize myself and to get a couple of ideas. For this discussion, I jumped online like most people do. And I, I you was have to to carry a yeah, show. I, like we're not carrying a conversation at a party. We have no, to do but, a little but, bit of research. No, I, I guarantee you, Scott, I'm gonna disagree with you 
I know you and I know me. We don't need to do any fucking research. We could have had this conversation without doing any research, but it helps. There's three no question quarters about of it my now. list. Three quarters of my list. I have 25 songs. Three quarters of them came off at the top of my head just really thinking, like just thinking them through. Yeah. Group, I went genre, you know, uh, uh, years. I kind of really broke it down, but I did have to kind of pull, pluck some more. Well, you, you know what, as I, as I put a little thought into it, you know, the, first and foremost, I, I kind of divided it up because I think in any decade you have the gimmick songs, right? Yeah. You know, kind of the Dr. Demento, you know, Weird Al Yankovic type songs. And we'll those talk about throw, those in yeah, a second. Throwaways, and, yeah. and, then, and, then, and then, so I, <laughs> I don't know if you can see this or, or not. You probably can't. But I yeah, have yeah, my yeah. categorized, categorized as gimmick songs and real shit. <laughs> well but, but, I, but before I, before before we get into the list there's there's yeah, a couple yeah. of comments that that i need to make okay it, and and that is for some of the more established rock and roll artists the 80s were tough oh i got some of those buddy i have the, some the, of those. The, the 80s were tough when when i think about some of the people that were huge in the 60s and 70s they struggled to try to maintain their relevance in the 80s. And, there, and there's a couple that I just listed, and I'm sure there, there are more. Number one, our, our friends from Led Zeppelin. Uh, mm. I'm sorry, but those guys struggled. You know, I mean, Robert Plant, those first couple of solo albums, there's a couple of good songs here and there. Pretty good songs. Pretty good songs. A couple, a couple of good I'm songs. I'm in the mood. And, you know, when he was with the yeah, Honey Drippers. Yeah, you know, yeah. Sea but there, of there's Love. A, and- there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of filler in there. And, you know, we're talking about those yeah. old concert days. We had to go and see Robert Plant, right? Because, you know, Robert Plant was an icon, but they were not great shows. I especially those- especially oh, in those early days, those first couple of tours, he refused to play any Zeppelin songs. Dude, a friend of mine uh, saw him, that him and his, his mom and his, his, his girlfriend and his sister and her boyfriend – they had tickets in New Jersey to go. They were they lived they live in New Jersey. They were oh we're going to see Robert Plant. We're going to see Robert Plant. But he was with Allison Krauss, and <laughs> he played nothing. He sang yeah. zero Led Zeppelin songs. Yeah. Now the difference between between him and Morrissey, Morrissey has a pretty good catalog without the Smiths. Robert no, Plant, no question, nothing, nothing, no, not so much, fucking so- zero. So, so the the last, time, the last time that I saw Robert Plant, and look, I was caught up into it, right? We never, back in those days, until Live Aid, had the opportunity to see Led Zeppelin. So seeing Robert Plant was close, you know, maybe on the off chance yeah. he would actually do Trampled Underfoot or Ramble On or something like that. Mm. The best part of seeing Robert Plant in the three times that I saw him as a solo act was when Stevie Ray Vaughan was the opening act. Yeah. And when yeah. he, when Stevie Ray Vaughan left the stage, that show went downhill. Yeah. But, it, but, but if Robert Plant had a difficult time in the early 80s, Jimmy Page had even more of a difficult time. Remember the band The Firm? See, the, again, like Robert Plant, they had a couple of good songs. A, a couple, a couple. A couple of good songs. And you would have thought, though, with, uh, 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 with what's his uh, name? Paul Rogers. Paul, Paul Rogers. Rogers from Bad Company. Yeah. You would have thought they would have came out with some better with some better stuff. Right. Nope. It it, it no. wasn't. But I, I remember sitting through that concert 
two like good literally songs. thinking what a giant steaming pile of shit this yeah. show is yeah you know and he and he tried to do it you know they had lasers and he brought out the bow you know mm. playing it he they would have been so much more successful if they said hey you know what me and paul rogers are going on on tour together we're going to play nothing but zeppelin songs and and bad company songs and the few firm songs that you guys want to hear yeah but yeah. no, no, we need to have artistic integrity. We need to move on. No, you're an entertainer. You're an entertainer. So, you know, you need to go uh, do that. Even Morrissey no, so- mixes in some Smith songs, like three, Absolutely. maybe four Smith songs, maybe four in his show. He knows he's tired of them. He likes them, but he's tired of them. He has his own catalog. And I always refer to him because he had a, he has a unique career. He came from superstardom to more superstardom and you know as he gets older just like any artist they start to kind of fall off the charts a little but but he but, does but have the, a solid catalog to sing to choose from yeah the the, the boys the boys from led zeppelin was certainly not alone so i i just made a couple of notes the who had a rough yeah. time in the 80s you know they all put the, out all they good, put out all, what, all the good ch- cowboys have chinese eyes was a good album for Pete Townsend. Yeah, but that was a that was a solo album. That was, was not a who album. album right? Oh, you're talking so, okay, them playing together, yeah. So right. so you know the who the who, you know they put out Face Dances in 81 82 and then they put out It's Hard. Neither of those albums, you know there's there's a, again a couple of good songs, you know, um you know a, a couple of decent songs. Even Springsteen if you go if you go past um born in the USA you remember in the early 80s I mean in the late 80s and early Tunnel 90s Tunnel of Love was actually, a good album Tunnel of Love yeah, was a very some, good there's album some, There's some great stuff on that but he he actually left or fired the the you know E Street band and kind of went in a different direction because you know I don't want to be tied to the past you know so there's there's a Mark, lot of those Mark things. Smith brought up a good point hold on he says even queen let paul rogers play a couple of free and bad company yeah, songs yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely yeah but i will tell you for, for my money the biggest songwriting music producing music creating criminal of the 1980s was paul mccartney <sighs> paul mccartney and I, and I don't know whether he was reeling from Lennon's death or he was lost creatively or if he was. No more lonely nights was a good song. It was not. Okay, here we go. You're putting that. All right, so let's kick so, this so, off. So so let, let me let me let me. I, I I put just a small list of Paul McCartney songs. Say say say. You know, you said no more lonely nights. You like, yeah. You know, take it away. My brave face. The girl is mine. Pipes of peace. Spies yeah. like us. That fucking Christmas song. Hey, hey, hey! Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! Classic... Hey, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute! You no, hold no, you on right there. No, no, you, no, you wait a minute. You, you wait a minute. Can't. I you can can't. interrupt you. I can interrupt you just like you interrupt me. That is no. a classic <laughs> Christmas song, and don't talk anymore about it. You can't. You can interrupt me all you want. But the whoa, 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 is, that's, that's, no? that's my tagline. You're an idiot. <laughs> that's my tagline, too. Oh, you just alone all the taglines on the Milk Crates and Turntables podcast. Jack, Dude, why, hey, Jack, why'd you start your own whoa, podcast? Whoa, whoa, call whoa, it, whoa, whoa, call whoa. it the tagline podcast. I create taglines. 
for podcasts. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, that's, that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's a good it's business. A, it's my catchphrase. It's my catchphrase. See, Mark, Mark Flynn says, Jack stepped over the line. Christmas song, you pagan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, for, for, you for, the Christmas song. For, for Mark Flynn and, and you, I, I do have a, a cemental part of my heart that ding, loves ding, the ding, sh- ding, 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 <laughs> And a synthesizer in it. I wrote a song. Oh, here we go. You this did is this it. on the Christmas show. Smoke some pot. <laughs> the song is shit. <laughs> you did that on the Christmas episode. Okay, okay. All right, let's get to the list. It's, hey, the classics never die. It's good let's stuff. Let's get to the list. I, I go, you go. I go, you go. I think we'll agree I, on this one. I, I hate this. I go, you go. That thing. We, we need to have conversation well, in between. It, we will. Like, we'll talk about my choice and your choice. I mean, unless, hey, look, I'll just go silent and let you read off your 75 songs. <laughs> I don't care. I'm going to go eat a fucking bucket of chicken. Ooh. <laughs> so, wait, where, where do you get buckets of chicken down there? Are you a KFC yeah, guy? I, I'm a KFC guy. Yeah. When was the last time you got a bucket? When was the last time you got a bucket of chicken? Uh two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many not pieces? For me for the family. I got the twelve. Yeah, yeah, piece. yeah. Yeah. Does your family happen to wonder? Like, wait a minute. It says on the bucket here that this is a twenty-one piece bucket. Why is there only fifteen pieces yeah. in it? Oh, and why are your hands so greasy? Hey, look at Publix supermarket here in Florida. Publix is a is a state kind of. Yeah, yeah, I know. They I know have Publix. some outstanding fried chicken. I'll tell you, outstanding you, fried chicken. Do you make fried chicken? Do you ever make it? Uh no, no, I don't. It's I don't. not easy. Ma- no. Making good fried chicken is not easy. My but first I, wife I will did, tell you, but I can't. I, I, I'll I'll tell you, and I know we're way off topic here. You know what yes, the best thing are. about KF, The best thing about KFC is what the coleslaw. Oh yeah. Oh, Mark Flynn asked me recently. Oh yeah, they have name one good side that that because he's a Popeyes guy, right? He says name one good side that KFC has. I immediately said coleslaw, and he said, "Well, you got a point there. <laughs> they do have good coleslaw. <laughs> they have good coleslaw, <laughs> have and, good and coleslaw. you have you have to admire the fact that you know KFC has a bucket that after you eat all of the chicken that you have, you put it on your head and play guitar." Either that or you go to the bathroom in the bucket. Hey. All right. Hey. Back to the show. All right. Although, let me get one more shot in. Beachmont Roast Beef in Beachmont, Massachusetts has the greatest coleslaw ever. That's it. They do have great, That's great coleslaw. And it's not multicolored either. It's whatever they mix it with. Anyways. Before we leave Beachmont Roast Beef, you know, just a memory that popped in my head. I do want to give a shout out to John Gurliaccio who stuffed an entire double-decker roast beef Ooh. sandwich in his mouth. Ooh. One one bite. Oh, oh, oh. That's a man <laughs> right there. That's a man. A double beef. The inspiration for the Heimlich maneuver. Look at this. All right, let's get to this these lists. All right, I'm going to start off with 1985's Walk of Life by Dire Straits. Ugh. Oh. Ugh. Do you well, think David Knopfler misses playing that song? <laughs> I think I think David Knopfler would embrace <laughs> playing that song. This guy has no idea the attention we give him. So da- <laughs> David, no David Knopfler, for those people that haven't listened in the past, Mark Knopfler is the principal writer of Dire Straits, 
principal writer, lead singer, lead guitar player. He's the star, right? He is Dire Straits. It's, it's Mark Knopfler and those other five guys. But his brother is in the band. And his brother either loves The Walk of Life because he's got a songwriting credit on it, if he does, or he fucking hates that song. <sighs> like, you know what, Brother Mark? You were always mom and dad's favorite. If you play that song, I'm going to walk over and I'm going to put this guitar right over your fucking head. Oh, yeah. All right, give me a song. I I think that uh, the all-time low, and, I, and this is a double shot, is Starship. Yeah. We built this city. And even, I didn't think there was a song worse than We Built This City, but they followed that up, I think, with There's Nothing Gonna Stop Us Now. Nothing's so, gonna stop us now. It was much better than We Built This City. Much better uh, song. But but th there are so many layers to why these songs are horrible. And, and, and the number one is because this was a band that had credibility in the 60s and in the 70s that, that were politically motivated. They were at Woodstock. They were at Altamont. They influenced a generation. And they completely, completely well, she sold did, out. Because by the time it was Starship, she was the only one left. Yeah, but no, that's not true. Paul Cantner oh, was still in the yeah, band. Yeah, Paul Cantner was still, but okay, but still. There, there was they, still, but those, those songs are incredibly horrible and a disgrace to their legacy. I think see, that those songs actually damaged their legacy. Mark Flynn says, I call it no, Mark. I mean, it's well known that that is the worst song of the 80s. That's a throwaway. That's what I call a throwaway song. Ter terrible, Everybody terrible, Everybody knows terrible that that's song. a, it got voted worst song of the 80s. That's right. It's kind of a throwaway. But it, you know, I'm gonna that, go I, I, would, I would have to imagine that there was a band conversation where they were like, look, this is a shitty song, but we're going to make a fortune off of this. <sighs> oh, Mark Flynn says, fuck you. Oh, ooh. Mark, ooh. The, 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 the audience is getting testy. Yeah. Wow. Fuck me. No, fuck you. Mark. I get the last Mark, word. Mark, on behalf of Scott and myself, we apologize if we have upset you in any particular way. Fuck I'm you, sorry. Jack. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My, I'm going to throw this one out there. From 1988, fucking horrible song. Bobby McFerrin, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Oh, my God. Okay. Lord. All right. Oh. So here's, here's where you and I. That was a number different. one, too. That was a number one song, too. Here's here's where where you and I are gonna differ. and and, and hold, let's back up a second. Let's let's back up a second. I categorize as I showed you, and then my worst songs of the eighties between between gimmick songs and real shit. And I regard Bobby McFerrin's "Don't Worry, Be Happy" as a gimmick song. I don't think it's a good song, but I don't think it's one. I don't think it's one. Yeah, but you know, so were you know some other really goofy songs. Yeah, but 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 but, but I I don't think I don't regard "Don't Worry, Be Happy" as is I don't look at it as a real song. That's a burden to him. That song is a burden to him. The the last the last show that you and I did, we talked about making mixtapes. I don't think there's anybody out there that has a mixtape with "Don't Worry, Be Happy" on it. <laughs> no doubt, it's a it's if a it's do, a joke song. If they do and they're listening, get off my show. <laughs> <laughs> Get off my it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a joke song. It's it's not yeah. the worst song of the 80 because it's it, one of it wasn't them. A, it's it's one it, of them. It's a song. It was in the top 10. It was a number okay. one. It's a song right. of the 80s. Okay. I'm not pulling shit out of nowhere. No, no, I get it. I get it. Give me a song. I will give you a song. So the band Poison. 
Uh, unskinny Bop. Unskinny that was Bop. Wasn't that unskinny, 1990? Uh, don't know, but but, but certainly a, a band close that enough. I, identified with the <laughs> 80s. So so I'll I'll give you another one. Okay, so you, you don't you don't want you don't want unskinny Bop. I'll take it. The, That's close enough. They they created the, how, it in '89. <laughs> how, how about the version of your mama don't dance? Ah, good one. Oh. Oh, horrible one. Good call. Oh. A horrible song. Oh. Oh. You know we, we we had our conversations about doing cover songs, and cover songs are cool. Yeah. If you take them somewhere, if you change them up, if you make them better. It was a shitty song to begin with, and they made it fucking worse. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go with 1984's Glory Days, Bruce Springsteen. God, what a fucking ah, horrible song. Ah, 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 Mr. McLean. Uh, On my list. Yes, thank you. Ter- thank you. Terrible song. Thank you. We don't even have to discuss it any further. Give me a song. <laughs> terrible, te- terrible song. So, you know, we we had talked a little bit about the fall from grace of Paul McCartney in the eighties, but his brother in arms, George Harrison. Mm. I got my mindset my, on my, my you. My stepdaughter Amanda loves uh, that song. She why? loves. Why? I don't know. She loves it. She loves that song. I don't particularly like it. If it comes on, unfortunately, I'm forced to listen to it. You know, but you know I'm with you. I'm not a big fan of that song. It's gonna take it's, it's, money. I, I think it's I think it's a throwaway song that he wrote in fucking ten minutes, <laughs> or maybe it was maybe it was ten weeks that it took him. And he was like, "Okay, you know what? This will get me on MTV. This will keep me relevant." And I think that I don't think it damaged George Harrison's reputation no, by any no, means, no. but certainly not indicative of the talent that George Harrison had. And I will yeah. tell you, the lovely Miss Deb downstairs still suffering with COVID, but on the mend, Good. George Harrison, by far, her favorite Beatle. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing no, there's nothing he's wrong with no, it at all. Hey, he's no Ringo, but you know we've had that discussion. <laughs> so I'm going to go with four words I hope I never fucking hear again. From 1985, we... Are the world? Oh. So we are the world oh. was 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 a response to Band Aid and it piggyback on Band Aid. Oh. Bob Geldof and Major, who put that that single together, oh. and they did it after. I, I don't think it was after the Grammys. I think it was after the American Music Awards. It is a shit song. Terrible, terrible song. Look, I I was at Live Aid. It was the worst song played that day. Jesus. You know, look, for those people that say, oh, my God, it had a cause and it was meaningful and whatnot. I I get that. But in terms of it being in terms of it being just a song, in terms of it being credible and valuable, in terms of just its song and its singing and whatnot. Mm -hmm. When was the last time you listened to it? Damn right. That's right. Terrible. Yeah. All right. Give me one. Uh, okay. And I'm just warming up. My, my, this isn't any particular order, but I'm warming up here. This yeah. So horror shows. So so here's one of the songs that that people may like, but this is you know a personal thing. I was a big fan, like many people were, of the Steve Miller band. I mean, a lot of us found either Fly Like an Eagle or Steve <laughs> I know Miller's where you're going. Hands. I know where you're going. 
But in the eighties, he had he really he really just kind of had one big hit, uh-huh. and that big hit was Scott Abra Abra Cadabra. Holy oh. fucking shit! Oh. I speed up my heart good. Down. The only thing in you the video, typical fucking eighties video, made no fucking sense. That's the only reason people listen to it because it was an early MTV video. That's the only reason that thing caught traction. That's it. Well, it, well, you, you know, the funny thing is, is, is that MTV may be the only reason why that song caught traction, but it also may be the only reason why I fucking hate that song is because it was in such heavy rotation uh, on MTV. They and we were all MTV maniacs back then. You know, we watched yeah, and, it religiously. And, and by and by the way, j- just for the record, the first time they played it on MTV, I was like, what the fuck is this? Mm. Mm. What happened to Fly Like an Eagle? What happened well, to Jet Airliner? What happened yeah. to the Joker? Yeah. yeah. Take the money and run. Horrible. Yeah. He I took the song. money and he ran. He ran. That's a good one. Yeah, he certainly did. I actually have a song that's worse than that. My I, next I song. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Oh, oh, but it's true. From 1983, I hate the band and I hate this song even more. Fucking sticks, Mr. Roboto. Ooh, oh on my, my list. God. On my list. If that motherfucker didn't, Dennis DeYoung did not fucking listen to Black Sabbath's Iron Man and say, I could make a song out of that. <laughs> I could make a nice production out of this. We can have a giant robot on the stage. And, ah, oh, because Dennis DeYoung only wanted to do these Hollywood productions these big stage shows where he's just like he's the entertainer and he's the mr abato sucks mr abato is nothing but an iron man ripoff so you could you could see the evolution or the d evolution (sighs) if you will so the album um or one of the albums prior to mr abato was was Styx's paradise theater which was kind of a a concept album, and right? Tim, that's Dennis DeYoung, yeah. So, and and those guys wanted to go. I mean, look, the Mr. Roboto is like, hey, here's our concept album. This is our Tommy. Yeah, it wasn't. See, Tommy and a lot of the concept albums that came out in the '70s were created by people that really had some intellectual prowess, geniuses, Not geniuses, stick. musical geniuses. Yeah, not Pete Townsend. I mean, you know what I mean? Musical geniuses. Roger but, but, Waters, David Gilmore. But, but, but I would be curious to know, and I do not know the answer off the top of my head. How much, how much play has Sticks gotten from Mr. Roboto? <sighs> not a good song, not a good album, probably kind of destroyed that band, but it's part of the cultural mesh of, of, you know, the, the, of not the music culture, right? <laughs> No, no, but 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 a lot of people like looks. Listen, if if you went down into a bar, if you went down into a restaurant, and you asked twenty people about the band Sticks, I bet you nineteen would mention Mr. Roboto almost off the bat. If that song is culture, it does, it, it belongs in a petri dish. <laughs> well, spam is also culture. So is Kane's hey, mayonnaise, and the, and I could make a sandwich out of both. With both. <laughs> All right, give me a song. Um, okay, so okay, here's here's a, here's a good one. 
I am actually going to say, look, I was a big fan of the Beach Boys in the 60s and the early 70s. Uh, I know where you're going with this. It's on my list. Oh, God. It's on my list. In the Florida Keys. Uh, in a place called Kokomo. Only because it was in a fucking a movie. Did that thing get any legs? I was in Kokomo and ran it's into in cocktail, Mr. Roboto. Right? It, was in, yeah. it was in the movie Cocktail, right? But, yeah, but yeah. but it, but again, you know, not not a great song. No, I, I I almost forgive it a little bit because you know the Beach Boys have always kind of had their cheesy side, and it and it's a song that that kind of suits that band to a certain extent. Mm, I think they lowered the the standards for that song. Yeah, it's it's not a not a it's, great. Song. It's such a simple minded song. There's nothing nothing to it. It's just garbage thrown together. You could have wrote that song. Whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Just saying. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It was. Whoa, yeah, right. whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to go. I'm going to go in 1986. <laughs> Fuck. And it's played every fucking year now at New Year's. Europe, the final countdown. Oh, my God. And and that has synthesizer in it, and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, okay. So look, I, I don't think that we're going to have a debate on this. You know, I don't. I don't have any great love for Europe in the final countdown, but I don't find it nearly as offensive as as some of the other things. I mean, look. Do you listen to I, I mean, it when know, it comes on the radio? I, I don't. I didn't listen to it when it first. Do you have came it downloaded but, anywhere? <laughs> but but I will give them credit that they created a song that is now played in every sports arena and whatnot. Mm. How much money do you think that that band has made off of that one song? Not as much as the house of pain would jump around. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but there's a difference. Jump around is a fucking great song. That's right. It is. You're right. No, hey, listen, like you said, they make money. Bobby McFerrin made money off that song. Uh, you know, sticks made money off of Mr. Roboto. People actually like that song. I never understood it. But, yeah, but 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 the final the final countdown you, you almost have to give it a pass because it's one of the few songs. I don't think in their the intention. I don't think their intention was to do I, that. I, though. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Why do you have me on the show? Why Why did you just cut me so, off? So so I can interrupt you. <laughs> Look, if you just want to talk, I can just sit back here. Yeah, I said that to you earlier. Like I said, stuck in some new material. You sound like <laughs> Mark Flynn stealing material. Oh, Mark Flynn does not. Oh, steal he's a materialism. he's a material stealer. Oh yeah, he is a he is a comedic genius. <sighs> no, he's a that material guy, stealer. I'm going to say it to the world: Mark Flynn is a human copyright infringement. This guy is brutal. <laughs> it's brutal. Yeah. Look, I, I'll go, I'll go back to the comment that I was trying to make. <sighs> Is that you almost have to give Europe a little bit of credit because it's one of the few big hits in the '80s that was an instrumental. You know, and look, let, let me let me put yourself or you put yourself in. That the, wasn't the an mind instrumental. Sp- oh yeah, that's right. Fi- that's final countdown. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? I forgot. Ooh. That's that's. That's how little I listen to that hey, song. Hey, Jimmy Calabrese, if you're listening, you know, now you can pick on your brother instead of me for making a mistake. <laughs> I know I his forget- brother says, you know more than him, Jack. You know more than him, I, Jack. I, 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 forgot, I forgot that that song uh, actually. See, unlike lyrics. you, I am a forgiving man. I will not rub your face and shit. 
We will oh, move yes. on. You're we will move. I will, pick, I will pick another moment. <laughs> I will pick another moment. I don't forget these things. I don't. Uh, yeah. By the way, I don't. I don't buy it. I think that that comment is going to come back over <laughs> and over and over. I, I certainly, I certainly don't think that the the ribbing of that, which is deserved, I don't think we have met the final countdown yet. The, the fact that you, the fact <laughs> that you whoa 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 me, you put on a whole scene about oh. Do you want to just talk for the rest of the show? You set up this big thing, and then you're fucking talking about the wrong song. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm absolutely talking about the right song. In my defense, not that there is any. There is no. I will tell you that. I will tell you that any time that it ever came on the radio, all I heard was the opening I will. I will give you that. I will I never, give you that, I never, my I never, friend. Yeah, I, I, ne- I never heard any of the lyrics. Mark Flynn says, Scott will use that for years. You're damn right I will. Don't As think he Jack, should. Hey, and don't think Jack doesn't throw shit back in my face from, from episodes ago or years ago either. So, right. all right, let's, let's get past that. Is it your turn? It's your turn. Well, I, I will tell you that one, one of the songs that was a huge, huge hit in the 80s that I hate is she drives me crazy by the fine young cannibals. I never was that the eighties or the nineties? I think that was the eighties. Oh. Let's go go to the check. go to the oh. rectangle. Let's see. While while you do that. I thought that was an early nineties song, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Let me see. Uh, well, while uh, while you're doing it. Okay, nineteen eighty nine. Wait, 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 wait. No, you got it. Nah. Can you hear that? No, because you have to hold the speaker to the microphone. Like this. I am. Like I this. Am. Like this. I am. Thank you. You're an idiot. <laughs> You're an idiot. Jack's holding it like it's a regular phone from his house in 1982. Since we're in the 80s, Jack's using an 80s phone. Wow. <laughs> Hey, that I, I, I like that song. I like the Fine Young Candles. I thought they, who, who, by the way, uh, was created by the two guitarists from what group? They were in not not. They were in shit with Dave Wakelin. The English Beat. The English Beat. They were in the English Beat. So the English Beat split. And went to general public and the fine yep. young cannibals. Fine young cannibals. I that that band just I they just didn't do it for me. All right. I love their version of uh, caught in a trap. We can't get out. Terrible. Because I love you too no much, good. baby. That's my uh-uh. favorite Elvis song. All right. Let me get to mine. Next one. Fucking didn't see the movie. Won't see the sequel. Danger Zone, Kenny Loggins, 1986. He should have left it. He should have stopped it. Caddyshack. Fuck the, Danger the, Zone. The king, the, the king <clears throat> of 80s soundtracks. So he did he did Danger Zone for Top Gun. He did Holiday Road, right? For a vacation. Yeah. He did I'm All Right for Caddyshack. Great song. Great, still a great song. I, I there may be another one in there that I'm forgetting. 
If anybody, any of our listeners, he did Footloose. Oh yeah, Footloose. He was the soundtrack king. How much money do you think he made? I'll take that off my list too because Footloose was on that too. Oh, he made a boatload. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, but you know what? I don't know. I don't know how you can actually have Footloose on that. Now, I'm not saying that I like the song Footloose, but the, but there is there is a category of music. So whether it's Kenny Loggins or Lionel Richie or Tiffany or Debbie Gibson or whatnot, those people are supposed to make shit, and they lived up to that. Supposed, but there are there are there I are some to big- Debbie Gibson before I listen to Footloose. <laughs> What what about bands? What about bands that you really respected and liked that put out songs that were no good in the eighties? Rolling Stones, she's so cold. We've already talked yeah. about that in another yeah. episode. No, not Fucking a great song. Disaster of a song for them. Horrible, shitty video. Fucking shitty I'm music. So I'm so so fucking I'm cheesy. So, uh, so cheesy. So yeah. cheesy. What yeah. about what about you? What about you two? Were there any songs from you two in the eighties? Not in the eighties. Not in the eighties. I did kind of try to see, and there was nothing in the eighties that I didn't like by them. I I think from from me, um, I was never a big fan of Mysterious Ways, but although that was a, that was a, a little bit later. Was it was nineties, wasn't it? Yeah, early nineties. It was, 90s, that was early nineties. Yeah. yeah, but it, then what wasn't it in the the late eighties that they. No, no, I'm I'm thinking about it the wrong the wrong way. Yeah, they the, all this all their albums in the '80s were good. They were good. Yeah, yeah. You know, then they started changing things up, which they should, and they experimented. Some of it worked. You know, what about what about the Police? Any of the Police songs that you just oh oh fuck yeah, from Synchronicity, 1983, Miss Gradenko. What a fucking shit song that is. Yeah, yeah, but that you know that. Oh, look, I'm not. I'm not. It was. On I the am. Radio. Not, I am not defending that song because I think oh. it's a good song. But but I think that was a political thing where Sting was just like, okay, you know, and I don't know who wrote it. I'm not sure if it was Andy. Horrible Summers song. Or, or Stuart Copeland. But that was a throwaway song. Oof. But but I will tell you, at least for me, I, I was not a big fan of Every Breath You Take. I was at first, then I, I hit the, the, the overplayed, you know. Saturation. Uh, yes, then it just kind you of know, faded away. Look, the thing that I loved about the police, and I know that we've had this discussion before, is they had kind of that punky reggae thing going in the early days. Yeah. And they, they, they turned into, you know, look, every breath you take is something that really belonged on a later Sting solo album. True. I, I could give you that. I could give you that. Yeah. Um, how about uh oh, this is a fucking beat song. Nineteen eighty four, Twisted Sister, we're not gonna take it. Oh nah. I could take a fucking a bottle of pills before I listen to that whole song. That's a terrible yeah. song. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's a screaming, great. screaming idiot. Yeah, the video is what made it. Yeah, good. yeah, sure, sure. Dude, dude from uh, from uh, uh, Animal, Anim- House. Animal House, Animal yeah. House, yeah. Need a punch pin on your punch uniform. Pin on your uniform. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 
So I, I, I will tell you that for me in the eighties, one of the biggest, I'm sorry, let me, let me one more touch on that. Yeah, Slade, Slade did that originally. And I didn't like that version either. So are you sure that they did yeah, that? Slade, Slade did it. Yeah. I think so, that Slade actually did come on. Feel oh, the they noise. did come on. Feel the noise. Yeah. And that's on my, that's right. That's on my list. Quiet riot. Yeah. So, so wait a minute. Are you I saying that, that Slade did? Slade did. We're not going to take it. No, 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 no. I get, I get that mixed up with Quiet Riot because I, I yeah. don't. That's on my list too. Quiet Riot. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I think that Come on, Feel the Noise is not a bad tune. This, the Slade version is better. The Quiet it's, Riot version is slicker. It's, it's just yelling and it's just like they, they were nah, purposely trying to be head banging. They were, they were like, yeah. watch us scream. Now that that's one that that I mm. I can actually listen to. We're not going to take it every now really, and every well, now and again. Every well, now, it's, it's, it's in a, the car. It, admittedly, it's a guilty pleasure. <laughs> okay, it's your it's your your prerogative. I get it, yeah. Bobby Brown. It's my prerogative. Todd it is Zogger. your prerogative. So so the thing that I was going to bring up was that in the uh, wake of Michael Jackson's popularity with Off the Wall and certainly Thriller. There were a, a handful of artists that tried to piggyback off of that popularity and to ride that crest, ride that wave. And one of them was our dear friend, Mr. Mick Jagger. Mm. Mick Jagger did a duet mm, with Michael Jackson called, called oh. State of Shock. Uh. Holy fucking shit. I would imagine that Keith. I would imagine that I would. I would. I would give anything, anything, to be in the room with Keith Richards when he first heard about that song and Laughed heard his that ass song. off. Laughed he his must have been ass like, off. He must have been. Are you fucking kidding me? And yeah. by the way, while while we're on the topic, you know, we we had talked a little bit about you know bands and musicians that kind of lost their way in the 1980s. Mick Jagger was certainly one of those people. He put the Rolling Stones on the back burner to pursue a solo, solo album. Career. He, yeah. he he wanted to be an MTV star. And his solo albums, I'm sorry, are fucking, fucking dog shit. Oh, especially yeah. the first two. Yeah. Well, let's not let's let's pile on a little more on my list. Uh Mick Jagger and David Bowie. Fucking dancing, dancing in, the, in streets. the streets. Oh my God. So, so going back, you know, did you ever see like, everybody has seen the video oh, of sure. them without the fucking, without the music? Have you ever seen oh, that? Hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. Uh, if, if people didn't catch what, what Scott just said on YouTube, there is a video of dancing in the streets, Mick Jagger and David Bowie, where somebody <laughs> is dubbed in. These goofy little sounds. It is friggin' hilarious. Yeah, dubbed in like soft I, I will, shoe, like it's like yeah. soft shoe dancing. You know, there's, there's like negative pauses oh in these little God. squeaks and stuff. It's it's hilarious and so much, so much better than the actual song or the actual <laughs> it's video. More enjoyable to watch. Yeah, far more yeah. enjoyable. Yeah. I, I will tell you. I will tell you that that one of the more horrifying things that I witnessed. Was I had the good fortune to be with Phil Kelly. We try to mention him as many shows as we possibly yep, can. Yep, yep. At at Live Aid in Philadelphia. And and back in those days, they didn't have 
you know, the planning that they do right now and they didn't have the material and whatnot. And in between acts, when they were just trying to fill time and keep people entertained, I kid you not, they showed that video 20 fucking times. Uh, and it was uh, lousy the first time. Uh, all right, I'm going to, let me jump on this one. Someone mentioned it earlier, but uh, from 1985 again, Eddie Murphy party all the time. Oh my God. Yeah. So, uh, so let me, let me ask you this. As stated a couple of times during this, I have my gimmick songs and real shit. Where do you place this? Oh, it's real shit. It's not a gimmick. It's he was trying. Now there's a side note to this. I, it does hold a place in my heart though. So Why? when we, cause we used to hang around my buddies, Jim Hurley, Phil Kelly, Jim McDonald, Bill Curry, Joe McDonald, and Marty Surrett. And Marty Surrett, God rest his soul, and Joe Mack lived together, and we called it the Fun House. And when that song came out, Joe Mack, all he would say is, because I live with Marty all the time, Marty all the time, Marty all the time. I hang out with Marty all the time. <laughs> just so it holds Joe, a place in my heart. Joe Joe Mac, funny bastard. And uh, it was in it. Just you couldn't have made it up when he broke out with it. It just was. It's just you had to be there. It's a friends yeah. thing. Yeah. So it yeah. does hold a, a place in my heart. I hate the song though. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> here here's one for you. Um. Good video for one particular reason, and I won't go into the details of it. Terrible song, terrible band. Cherry Pie by Warrant. Oof. Oof. On my list. She's my cherry pie. Holy friggin' shit. He made what? a lot of money with that song, though, I think. I, I, I know he, he turned made a into lot a of drunk, money. though. Yeah. But, but, dude, not, not for nothing. I mean, come on. Listen to the lyrics of that I song. Know. He wasn't even trying. No. Well, there is, I think there is a story behind that, actually. There was a story behind that about the writing of that song and how it was uh it was kind of a throw and he wrote it really fast, evidently. They so uh, you're, apparently you're right. so. I, I I actually think what he did was what he was you know, bring your uncle to kindergarten one day and he saw somebody scribbling something in crayon and grabbed it. That song is ridiculously. The, the, it the, just, girl in the, just video, the girl in the video, Bobby Brown, he was, he was dating her. He was dating her. And it has something to do, but the song was kind of thrown together pretty fast from my understanding. And, well, and it know, shows, <laughs> but it was a hit. There, there's, there's, there's an interesting clip. I can't remember if it was on MTV or some documentary that I saw, but it was, it was like the introduction of grunge. And Janie Lane, who was the lead singer and principal songwriter, if you want to fucking call him that, of, of, Warrant. of Warrant, was was surprised that the record company at one point had Warrant albums up, and then the next week there was Allison Chain albums out. I I don't understand how he could possibly not understand that he was not delivering anything of real quality. I mean that. Well, that they got caught up hard. in the hype. They 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 rode a wave for a little while with that hairband what? stuff. What? what? So give me give me give me five other good Warren songs. Oh no no you're not what, what, what were they, what were they, from me. 
You, what were they you, piggybacking off of? They're piggybacking off of Poison, all those bands. They, they were lumped in with them. So that's why but they, but they, they had a little cherry, bit of. Cherry, cherry Pie is the song that that band is known for. Yeah, because it was a hit. I, I guarantee you. So Janie Lane, unfortunately, I think has passed. But somewhere in this universe, the rest of Warrant is bellying up to a bar and somebody was saying, hey, you look like you're a rock star or you were a rock star or whatnot. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, I was in a band called Warrant. Oh, I think I know them. D- d- can you remind me what, what songs did you guys play? And these poor bastards are forced at these local bars to go, she's my cherry pie. Well, you know, they, they, they're, uh, <laughs> their album, Doggy Dog, went gold, right? So... No, they had 500,000 copies, 500,000 copies, you know, still, let me yeah, see. Yeah. Uh, but listen, 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 you know, better than anything that you can't believe those stats. How many of those, how many of those doggy dog records were actually purchased by the record company? Come on. You mean you never heard the bitter pill or machine gun or the hole in my wall or inside out. You've never heard these classics, Jack. Come I'm on, sorry. I was a guy. I, I would have loved to have listened to them, but I couldn't get past. She's my very vibe. From 89 to 96 with five albums reaching Smash international se- reaching international sales of over 10 million copies sold. Unbelievable. Uh, it just I'm goes to show you. you. I'm not trying to you know, no, say no, no. you're right. I know, I know you're, I know you're a big Warren liked fan. Them. People liked them. Yeah, I'm a Warren fan. Yeah, can't by, you by the tell? Way, by the way, just just for the record, I actually saw them play one time. So there, there was a, for those of you that were not from the Boston area, there was a rock club called the Channel, which was a mob run, cinder block shithole that had the most amazing down on the docks, <laughs> down on the down docks the in dock. in a rough and tumble area. There was nothing around it really, but but it was it was one of those places where it literally, like I saw, that's where I saw the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And that's where I saw the Ramones and Buddy Guy and the Black Crows for the first time. But they would they would have local acts that would play, but they would also have like Muddy Waters played there and uh, John Lee Hooker played there. Uh, but I went and actually saw Paul Stanley in the mid 80s or maybe it was the late 80s actually did a solo tour in the opening band was Warren. <laughs> and I was Scott, I was sitting at the bar at the channel and who was sitting next to me? Lemmy. Oh, nice. Motorhead. Lemmy from Motorhead. So I, I I got to chat with him for a couple of minutes and I actually signed a channel cocktail napkin that I gave to my brother Jimmy, who still has it. Good. And you know, you named off a lot of great bands that played a channel at the channel, and you're right. There was I saw ministry there with your brother. Um, but the greatest band ever to play the channel was Gwar. I don't care what you say. <laughs> Gwar was the greatest show ever at the channel. Greatest show ever. When you're in a competition to see how much, how much blood you can get sprayed on you. It's a badge of honor to come out of that pit covered in red dye. (laughs) So there's actually, and it's not out yet, but there's a documentary that's coming out on the channel that talks about the legacy. That was that, that place. Do you know that Metallica, you know that Metallica played that place twice? The first wow. time? The first time for about 200 people. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. 
Yeah. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, what do you got? Give me another song from your list. I, I think I, I think that that I have to identify this. <laughs> I I just called to say I love you. Uh, Jesus. I'm with you. I'm going to count to that. I'm going to count to that. I, 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 yeah, but before you count to that, I mean, the genius of, of Stevie Wonder. Uh, I'm going to talk to you. If, I think if, I'm going to talk to you. If you have not, if you've not seen the movie High Fidelity with John uh, Cusack and Jack Black, classic, classic scene where somebody comes into the record store asking for that song, and Jack Black just shits all over the guy. Uh, Hilarious. I'm going to, I think I'm going to top you though. Stevie Wonder, Gladys Knight, Elton John, 1982. That's what friends are for, <laughs> which was originally done by Rod Stewart for the movie night shift back in 82, but they, which, which the, the, the Rod Stewart song is actually not half it's bad. Not it's bad. not great. This great is song. a fucking toilet bowl. <laughs> fucking toilet bowl. <laughs> With the fucking ring around. It's a subway, <laughs> subway toilet bowl with no fuck. It's a Mexican bar toilet bowl with no fucking door on the stall and no fucking toilet seat. And the tank top is missing. Top of the tank. That's what keep that song shining. is. Yeah. Keep, keep shitting. Keep shitting. No, and you can uh, always count oh, on me. Song. Good Lord. I think that was a number one, too. What the fuck are these people thinking? You know what? If you listen to that song very carefully at the very end, when they kind of like finish, <laughs> at the very end of that song, they say, that's what friends are for. And Elton John goes, yeah. And Dionne Warwick goes, yeah, thank you. And I think somebody says, what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a sound guy. <laughs> It was the sound guy in the studio. What the fuck am I doing? They're paying me for this. Um, I'm going to throw another one out there. Fucking. I hate that song. <laughs> um, 1980. Ted Nugent. Wango Tango. Oh. Uh, look, look, I, I know that. I know that. Look, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but. What, what do you expect? I, I went to the concert. I saw the. I saw. I saw him play that in concert. Well, what do you, what do you expect? I, I I would I would challenge you. I, I, how many good songs does Ted Nugent have? Stranglehold is a good song. Cat Scratch Reeve is a good song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. He you know, did back one when he was good with, song with Damn Yankees. I think it was one good song. But back, I don't even know when, if that was that good. I hate. I didn't like the, that band either. Back in the '60s, when he was with the Amboy Dukes, yeah, yeah, Amboy Journey Dukes. to the yeah. Center of Your Mind, or whatever it was, was was not a bad tune. But in all honesty, you, you know what surprises me? Back in 1978, oh. Ted Nugent was the number one touring act in the United States. No doubt, he was different. He was definitely he was, different. He, he was the biggest concert draw. Look at. Perry Dietovich just fucking nailed it. N hit a grand slam. <laughs> he says, he comments, gob on stage. This dude hucked the biggest fucking lungies I've ever seen. It was like he was throwing them up. And yeah. it was constant. Like, how much phlegm does this guy have in his lungs? 
He's supposed to be some health nut. And he just, during the show, he had to. He had to fucking spit about 37 lungies on the stage. I'd hate to be the guy to clean the stage afterwards. It looked like silicone up there. It was glycerine. Do you think you think he, that he made a conscious decision? Yeah, Gene Simmons, you spit blood and breathe fire. Watch this. Watch this. Where does it come from? I mean, I remember saying, I go, where the fuck is all this coming from? Like, all right, I'm I'm 10 rows back, and the stage is what, 10 feet back, and he's that far back. So he and you see it coming out like a baseball. Like it's like this guy just had talent. He's the greatest spitter ever. But by, by the way, Wango Tango. Scott, by the way, Wango Tango. That's, that's all it is. I like that that's better. That's, like that that's better. all it is. Yeah. So I mean, it's one of the worst songs of the eighties. Fucking kick the eighties off with that song. Wango Tango. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he started the 80s with that song. That was a 1980 song. Now, maybe when I was 16, fucking drunk, yeah. stoned, and at the Boston Garden, testosterone-driven concert, you know? No, yeah. Ted, Ted Nugent, you know, look, I, I wasn't a huge fan of, 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 of the band either, but Ted Nugent's biggest or smartest move was to actually get into damn Yankees where he he played guitar. Let somebody else sing the songs. Let let them do that. You know, I bet you that he probably made more money with Damn Yankees than he did his an entire uh, Let solo career. Let me take you higher. Hated Damn Yankees. Hated oh, them. God. I, again, Tommy Shaw from Sticks. Not a Sticks fan. Yeah, not and a Jack, Sticks. I, I didn't his, get that. What, what was his name? Jack Jack Blades from um, what was the name? Of Night that Ranger. Night Ranger. That's right. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Give me a song. Give me one. I, I'm I'm almost out. I I'm I'm into my like gimmicky songs. So, you know, I have um, you know, respect of yourself by Bruce Willis. Uh, it's on my list. All right, let's throw what that is, one. What out. Ghostbusters, the Super Bowl Shuffle. I Rock throw me that on the one yeah. by, by Falco. I like that. Uh, Taco Falco Cook. was a cool motherfucker. <laughs> Falco, listen. Amadeus, Amadeus, rock me. Amadeus, 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 rock. Did you see that motherfucker make an entrance? That dude slicked back. He fucking quaffed. He's got the hand movements. He can throw a hand and the place goes nuts. He's just, that dude had confidence. You can't dog uh, you, Falco. You, you okay, can't dog I'll, Falco. I'll, 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 I'll give you that. I just had him in my list of kind of gimmicky the songs. Superstar. I mean, the guy did it in two languages. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, another one that I had on my list, you know, when you and I actually saw Elton John, remember who the opening band was? Hey, yeah, Quarter you reminded Flash. me. Quarter, Quarter Flash. Flash. I thought they backed up. Uh, I thought Quarter Elton Flash. John. It was, oh, Elton, it was John. Elton John. Yep. Hard my heart. That's, yeah, I remember that oh the bass God. drum had the fucking quarter. It was it was That's a quarter right. picture That's of right. a quarter, and right. we waited the whole fucking show to hear her sing "Hard my heart," which is a whiny song. I hate that. It's song. an okay. It's a guilty pleasure. Okay song. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, she wasn't bad to look at either back in the day. Never really made it. 
any further. What, what about what about Huey Lewis stuck on you? Uh, yeah, hip to uh, be square wasn't a fucking good song either. No, 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 no. You know, but there, there were a couple of like I, th- I thought that Huey Lewis in the early days, like working for a living, and even like I want a new drug, and some of like the acapella stuff, I thought was kind of cool. You know, they were doing something different. It was kind of American, kind of California sound and whatnot. But then hip to be square and stuck on you. I was like, holy God, these guys are over. It's done. It's all over. You you said something earlier. Jacob's Ladder is my favorite song by them, by the way. I like that song. Written written by who? I don't know. Uh, Prince. (laughs) Bruce Hornsby. Bruce Hornsby in the range. Yeah. All Bruce right. Hornsby in the range, yeah. It sounds like, so you know what? That that makes sense. It sounds like something he would write, that type of tempo. Um, you said earlier, like, what kind of, you know, if there's a band you respect and they kind of shit the bed on you, not those exact words, but The Cure, 1983, The Love Cats. That's a little obscure for some people, but you know what I'm talking Quir- about. That- yeah, it's, you know, it's it's quirky. Like, horrible. It's, good, it's quirky. It's not, song. It's, it's it's not a it's not a great song, but it's not a horrible song. Yeah, I can't listen to it. I really, yeah. it's just like, doo, 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 like yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little quirky. Uh, Miss Deb, I, the wonderful and beautiful Miss Deb. Oh, don't Safety say dance. it. Don't, yep. don't, Safety no. dance is on the list. It's on my Deborah, list. <laughs> Deborah Scott says that the safety dance is one of the worst songs of the eighties. That's right. That's right. What did you say? <laughs> I would I would repeat what Miss Deb says that she is under the influence of COVID, and I know this is a family program. Yeah, it's family. Okay, yeah. Scott, Scott from from the other room. It echoed. Fuck him. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, she followed that up with. F F F F U U U U C C C C C K K K. Yes, yes. My, How about- my wife, my wife loves, loves, know, she does. loves that song. When I've- we when we took when we took her out for our fortieth birthday, there's a local band up here in New Hampshire called Gaspacho that does like a lot of '80s stuff and whatnot, and they're really a lot of fun, and they're great musicians. They do a great job. And they played that for her birthday. She went fucking apeshit. It was so, so much fun. Hey, that's my come on, Eileen, for her. I love that fucking song. I'll never get sick of that song. I know you do. I will never get sick of that song. Let me run one more by you. Is this a quirky song? Is this a gimmick song? You you, got to run it by me. We got to end this. I got to go pack. I'm leaving at 4 a.m. tomorrow. Well, you're used to it. Uh, The Weather Girls. It's raining men. Oof. Is that a gimmick song? Of course it was. Two fat ladies. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, three fat ladies. What was it? Whoa, 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 whoa. They were no, two no, fat we're not, ladies. We're not, we're not shaming anybody on this. Program. I'm not shaming. I'm calling it like I see it. They were fat no, no, ladies. No, 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 no. They sang a song no, so they could get no. naked men to dance for them. That's no, what they no, did. No, no, That's what no, they, no. exactly what they did. They said, Why don't we move? <laughs> Well, why don't we move to On This Day in Music? All right, let's move on to This Day in Music, where Jack gets uncomfortable. All right, on this day in 1957, Elvis Presley started an eight-week run at number one on the U.S. singles charts, 
charts with All Shook Up. It went on to be the biggest single in 1957, selling over 2 million copies. On this day in 1968, Apple Music ran advertisements soliciting tapes from unknown artists, offering financial grants as part of a deal to release records on the Apple label. Artists such as Badfinger, Ugh, James Taylor, Mary Hopkin, Jackie Lomax, David Peel, and Elephant's Memory were signed up. On this day in 1968, Deep Purple made their live debut with a gig at the Tastrup in Denmark. Formerly known as Roundabout, guitarist Richie Blackmore suggested a new name, Deep Purple, named after his grandmother's favorite song, which had been a hit for Peter DeRose. After his grandmother had repeatedly asked if they would be performing the song, he said, let's call the group Deep Purple. Okay, we didn't even mention this today. On this day in 1971, five friends at San Rafael High School in California coined the term 420 as a euphemism for smoking pot. April 20th became a popular day to spark one up, as does 4.20 p.m. Fans of the Grateful Dead helped spread the phrase. The Boston song Smokin' clocks in at 4 minutes and 20 seconds. If you multiply the title numbers in Bob Dylan's Rainy Day Women number 12 and number 35, you get 4.20. On this day in 1976, George Harrison, who was good friends with Eric Idle, joined Monty Python on stage. I don't care. Uh, John Phillips in 1981, uh, John Phillips of the Mamas and the Papas was jailed for five years after pleading guilty to drug possession charges. The sentence was suspended after 30 days. How the fuck do you get five years after 30 days? We're going to let you go. (laughs) How the fuck does that happen? Phillips started touring the U.S. lecturing against the dangers of taking drugs. Just raking in that (laughs) cash. Just raking in that sucker money. Sucker. <laughs> on this day in 1993, Aerosmith released Get a Grip, their 11th studio album, which became their best-selling album to date with sales over 20 million. It's a good it's record. Out. Yeah, yeah. Warren's good five albums combined only sold 10. <laughs> Let's jump back to that, right? They sell 20 million with that record. The album, which featured hits Living on the Edge and Crazy, are also featured uh, and also featured guests... Don Henley and Lenny Kravitz. Uh, what's her name? The the girl, uh, the, the the actress. She made a she made, Alicia she a, Silverstone. Yep, yep. She was Miss Arrowsmith. And this day in two thousand two, this is interesting. Uh, in a in a dispute over who owned the rights to Nirvana's recordings, former members Dave Grohl and Chris Novoselic asked the Seattle court to prove that Courtney Love was mentally unstable. That must that must have been a real task. <laughs> they told the court. Yeah, your your honor, your 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 honor, if it pleases the court, could we have Miss Courtney Love just get on the stand for thirty seconds? Yeah, that's just, all. Just let's, can we cross examine her for sixty yeah. seconds? Maybe <laughs> they told the court that Love was irrational, mercurial, self centered, unmanageable, inconsistent, and unpredictable. They also claimed the contract was invalid. Because love was stoned at the time. Okay. Born on this day, the one and only American singer-songwriter, Luther Vandross, who scored a 1989 hit, UK hit with uh, Never Too Much. That's never too much, never too much, never too much. Dun, 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 d
the the the, the greatest sandwich ever made. The greatest sandwich ever made. The day the after Andros? Thanksgiving turkey sandwich the was the Luther. The Luther is named after Luther Vandross. Is it really? Only, yeah, because only Luther could eat that sandwich. The fat Luther, that is. Not skinny Luther. <laughs> fat Luther. Oh, man. Here you go again. More, more fat shaming. Shame on you. Luther was a fat man. Hey, one of the night, one of the best concerts I saw at the Garden was uh, uh, him and Anita Baker. That was a good show. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, Luther Vandross died on July 1st, 2005 at age 54. He was only 54. Two years after suffering a major stroke. And that's the show, guys. That's it. We're done. Next week, I will uh, be playing. Uh, I will be releasing a episode that we, we recorded last week because Jack will be on vacation or on work. Dude, it's dude, the same dude, thing. Not on vacation. Same I'll thing. Be working. I'll be Where? working down in Savannah, Georgia. Yeah, okay. All right. Working. Okay. Heading That's to the, the Dominican Republic first thing in the morning. There you go, buddy. There you go on another vacation. Another paid no. vacation. Work. Work. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, listen. Work. You have fun, buddy. You be careful. Uh, you know, don't drink the water. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> be careful. Hey, I, I never get to say it, but thank you, everybody, for listening. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what he said. And uh, I will, like I said, I won't be here next week. Me and Jack won't be here doing a live show. That. How fucking dare you? You giant. You better get on that fucking plane fast, buddy. You goddamn. You better get on that plane. If you like the show and, you, and you're still listening, <laughs> you're still listen, share it. Tell people about it. Enjoy it. If you're watching on YouTube, tell your friends about it. If you're watching for the first time, hit subscribe, hit the alert bell, uh, hit a like, leave a comment. If you're listening on the podcast platforms, which we're on all of them, share it, talk about it. And also, if you like, if you, if you like uh, uh, podcasts about supernatural stuff, go listen to uh, True Hauntings and Scary Stories, our friend great job with that with that podcast if you like that stuff true hauntings and scary stories i also edit their youtube channel so i gotta plug them all right everybody we'll see you uh we'll see you live in two weeks